Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to let you know that I am looking for 50 people with Hashimoto's. If you have been diagnosed in the last 10 years and you feel lost or confused about exactly what to do, then I want to invite you to join me for a free training call on Thursday, May 16th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, where I will show you how to support your thyroid for your thyroid type and your specific Hashimoto's triggers. You will also find out how to lower your thyroid antibodies and how to get to the bottom of all of your thyroid symptoms, the weight gain, the fatigue, the brain fog, the inflammation, the hair loss. Please go to inatoppler.com slash Zoom call to register, and I will send you all of the call details. I only have room for 50 people, so please be sure that you register at inatoppler.com slash Zoom call and get your spot right now. Hello there, and thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Health Mystery Solved. When dealing with Hashimoto's or any other autoimmune disease or chronic illness, toxins play a huge role. This is because toxins can act as immune triggers, and these triggers can create more immune system confusion and therefore more of an attack on your own thyroid and other organs. Today, I want you to meet someone with Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism, and she has been doing a ton to balance her immune system and support her thyroid and overall body from every angle for many years. She has worked on many, many of her triggers, including toxins, and has eliminated a ton of toxic chemicals from her personal care products and from her home. This woman is in her 40s, and while she has changed so much, the one thing that she has not changed was coloring her hair. Now, gray can be absolutely beautiful, but she was not ready to go there. However, after really understanding how toxic the chemicals in hair dye really are and how many of the so-called organic dyes are really not so organic at all, it really made her give this a second thought and she was determined to find a way to still color her hair, but in a safer way. So the person I'm talking about today is actually yours truly, me. I've been on a quest to find a safer hair dye, and many of the things I learned really surprised me. So many of the more natural dyes out there are still pretty harsh and use the same harsh chemicals. And believe it or not, the ones that say that they substituted those chemicals with other quote-unquote better ingredients are actually even more toxic and more harsh. So those can be even worse. Ugh. Now, I am so excited to share my journey here with you. And spoiler alert, I did find something that was safe and it did work for me. As with anything, there are always going to be the pros and the cons, and I'm sharing everything today. Please stay tuned to the very end where I give you my full account, the exact process, and I post pictures of my before and after results as well. And by the way, the product I found is not sponsored. I'm not getting paid to talk about it in any way. It's just me doing a lot of research and then sharing with you what I found. Every year, thousands of people are told there's no explanation for their health concerns and no way to fix them. They feel frustrated, undermined, and lost. I know because that was me before I figured out the actual causes and reclaimed my health. Now, I help others do the same. I'm Ina Toppler, and this is Health Mystery Solved. 
Staying healthy and looking great is not always an easy task. And when it comes to our hair, the choices for products are really endless. Hair products have come a long way in the last 10 years. However, when speaking about hair dyes, which is something that so, so many people, both women and men use, those still unfortunately remain pretty toxic. I'm so excited to tell you more about my journey and also introduce you to Jennifer Barker to discuss this and share a lot more information with you. Jennifer is a hairdresser and colorist who's been in the industry for over 20 years, and now she is the Director of Customer Experience at Hairprint. Jennifer, I am so excited to have you. Welcome. Hi, nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. Jennifer, what makes most conventional hair dyes so toxic? Gosh, there's really so many things. So basically, hair dye works by using a system of ammonia or ethanolamines in the case of ammonia-free products, hydrogen peroxide, and PPD. The ammonia pulls apart the layers of the hair protein so that the hair dye can access the hair shaft. So then the hydrogen peroxide bleaches the hair and helps the PPD to become trapped in the hair. So that whole process basically compromises the whole structure of the hair, both internally and externally. And then, you know, repeatedly, not only does it damage the hair, cause, you know, breakage, you know, when you're sitting with that hair dye on your scalp for 45 minutes, those chemicals seep into your bloodstream. And these micro dyes, they don't ever really go away. They often can sort of just, you know, sink into the tissues and, cause a whole host of problems. PPD, which is the one that's probably the most commonly used in in hair dyes, it's probably the most harmful. It's actually banned in Canada and also in the EU. It's harmful to the immune system, the respiratory system, the liver, the kidneys. And it's really what causes most of the serious allergic reactions. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people who are dealing with Hashimoto's, um, other autoimmune disease, or just any type of chronic illness, they tend to be more sensitive. And so I often hear people say, oh, you know, when I apply hair color, whether I do it on my own, or even when they go to a stylist, you know, they complain a lot about getting rashes or their scalp is very itchy um, and they just feel uncomfortable. Sometimes people can break out in hives. So it's the PPD, like you're saying, that's doing that, right? Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times it doesn't happen the first or second time you get your hair dyed. A lot of times it's, you know, built up exposure or, um, you know, it, or it'll be several hours after someone leaves the salon that happened to me actually, when I worked behind the chair before I was with with hair print, um, I would get comments from some of my clients that, that they said, you know, long after when they were making dinner that night, they broke out into a rash or they had dinging on their scalp or hives. Um, so it's, it's definitely becoming a lot more common. And, you know, the, the frustrating thing is, you know, a lot of hair dye companies will say, oh, well, we don't have PPD, but then they just substitute with PTD, which is nearly just as bad. Mm, that's a very, very good point. And unfortunately, this kind of thing happens a lot with many things. You know, it's almost um, similar to BPAs, um, which is what's found in plastic. And a lot of people are um, understanding about that now. And there's so many different things, like even like cans of beans and baby bottles and, you know, so many different plastic products. And it'll say, you know, there's no BPAs in it, but same thing, there's no BPA, but there's um, instead changing it into BPS and it's just a toxic, if not more toxic. So that's really, really good to know because I think PPD is something that 
we know about, but I don't think it's as publicized. Um, one of the things that I think people are more familiar with in terms of hair dyes is ammonia. And we see a lot of brands now saying they don't have ammonia and there's all these different colors out there that are ammonia free. Um, and ammonia is publicized, I think, even more than the PPD or PPE. Right, right. Now, with the ammonia-free colors, though, is that really much better? No. In, in fact, you know, the EWG or the Environmental Working Group actually rates um, ethanolamine, which is the substitute, uh, at a five or six, and they rate ammonia as a four, six. Oh, so interesting. Actually, yeah. So, you know, there's evidence that say that um, there's actually an increase in birth defects and it can cause hair loss. Um, and it's more damaging than ammonia up to 85% more. Oh my goodness. I did not realize that I was using an ammonia free color for a while before looking at other options, um, thinking that, okay, at least it's a little bit better. It definitely didn't have the same smell, which I liked because I'm very sensitive to smells. And sometimes mm -hmm. I could just walk into a salon and be like, oh my gosh, I might pass out. Like there's just, it's so strong. So what I was using Inoa, and then there's another one that was ammonia free and, you know, here I was back then thinking I was doing something that's better, but that's amazing to know that um, can cause hair loss and all of these other issues. I mean, we're trying to dye our hair and do things to make our hair look better, but also feel better and be healthier. Right. And here we are kind of unfortunately damaging it quite a bit. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, it's another corrosive chemical that kind of serves the same purpose. It breaks down the outer layer of the cuticle so that the dye can get inside. Now, does the cuticle ever go back or no? No, not really. I mean, you know, I suppose uh, years after years of, you know, maybe if you quit using it, um, but, you know, that's why if you look at two hairs under a microscope, one that's been continuously hair dyed every six weeks or so versus virgin hair, you'll see that the virgin hair has a very smooth um, outside and doesn't have all the little frayed edges. When someone usually says to me, oh, my hair gets really frizzy or it dries really quickly, or that's because, you know, that structure has been damaged or compromised. And, you know, those large gaps in the cuticle, you know, they, they, they do really never go back. Yeah. I mean, not truly, not without, you know, some of the other controversial ingredients, you know, that maybe can seal the cuticle, but sometimes even these styling products that say, you know, repairs damage or seals the cuticle, such as like a dimethicone, it may do that, but sometimes in the process of doing that, it, it sort of suffocates the, the, the cuticle so that it can't get nourishment from the follicle. And then it's just, you're sort of, it's just a vicious cycle of then exacerbating the same problem over and over. For sure. I mean, I guess with the silicones, and I definitely agree with what you're saying and what happens to the hair. I mean, I suppose though, if you put it just on the hair, at least it's not going on the scalp, right? Versus the hair dye, I mean, you're damaging both right. like where the hair starts and that. So then it's going to affect even what happens with the new growth that right. comes because you're continuously damaging the scalp. Yeah. Right. Now, what about organic hair dyes? These have been really popping up everywhere. I feel like there's so many new brands and, you know, every day I look like, oh, there's another organic hair dye. What does that mean? And are those any better for us? The FDA doesn't define or recognize or regulate the term organic in the personal care industry. Um, so it's kind of like using the term for saying, you know, something's plastic free when you're talking about glass. 
You know, it's, just, <laughs> it's basically placing natural ingredients in hair dye doesn't make it organic. You know, it's kind of like saying that, you know, oh, well, I put some rose petals in this kerosene. So it's, it's organic now. It's got flowers. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, those flowers and herbs are really irrelevant to the dyeing process. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, they don't do anything, you know, to really affect the outcome. Right. So then with these organic dyes, is it then just some, you know, nice oils or rose petals with all the same chemicals? Yeah. I mean, it's the same chemicals. Um, it, it's just, it's basically marketing, you know, mm. they, they want to appeal to consumers desire for something healthy. All right. But that's very, very good for everyone to know and just buyer beware that it's not. And sometimes interestingly enough, I have had clients and just people in my community that had mentioned that they've used this new, you know, there's so many different ones. They used one of the many organic hair dyes and felt that they had even more of a reaction and they thought, oh, you know, I'm very sensitive. Maybe it's some of the botanicals, you know, because sometimes even if things are natural, too many botanicals can still be irritating, but it's likely not the botanicals. It's likely the chemicals that they didn't realize were even in there. Yeah. I mean, that kind of goes back to the whole, you know, ammonia-free substitute, those, you know, ethanolamines, you know, that are basically more damaging than the ammonia itself. Or, you know, I've also heard that PTD as you know, since that's a substitute often for PPD is needs to be double the quantity in order to do the same thing. So if these substitutes are trying to make things any better, I think a lot of times they're actually making them worse. That's huge, right? I mean, even if that substitute is maybe slightly better, if you're doubling the dose, then it's going to be double as bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and just think about PPD and PTD are the same ingredients that are used to make cartridge toners, Printer zinc, you know, let's see, recortisol, I think it's also made in making tires and it's largely used in the rubber industry. And that's another active ingredient of hair dye. Yum. (laughs) And, you know, whenever we're dealing with any chronic illness, but especially autoimmunity, one of the big things is that talk, I mean, there's a lot of different triggers, but toxins are one of those triggers. And what different toxins do is they can confuse the immune system because it puts burden on our liver and our gallbladder. And then the body has a hard time detoxifying. Those toxins can confuse the immune system even more. And then it could create more of that autoimmune attack. And, you know, I just think it's so important for people to know that, you know, these things are are really fairly toxic and there are things that we're literally exposing ourselves, like you said, every four weeks, five, six weeks, you know, I mean, for most women, I would say between four and six weeks is the average. And so, you know, that's 12 times a year and we dye our hair for how many years, right? Yeah. And it compounds. Yeah. Yeah. So of course, with that, that leaves the question, well, what do we do, right? Is there something better? And I'm really excited because I found hair print and, and by the way, this is not sponsored anyway. It's just something I found that I've tried and really like the results. And I'm going to give my full account of exactly what happened and I'll uh, have pictures here as well, but I would love to talk to you more about how hair print is different because it's not just an organic color that has organic ingredients plus the chemicals. It works completely differently and it's really quite fascinating. So I'd love for you to share. Sure. It is really different. And I think sometimes when people put it in the same category as hair dye, it just doesn't do it justice because they're very different. They're different in the application. They're, it's very different in the ingredients and it's it's even different in the, the final result. I sometimes really try to urge people to not even think of it as a hair dye. 
what it actually is, is it's um, melanin from velvet beans. So it only has eight food grade ingredients. It's kind of based on biomimicry, which is the same process. You know, melanin is, is how our eyes and our skin and our hair gets color. So it takes that unpigmented hair or the gray hair and basically puts the melanin back into the hair. Okay. How, I mean, I know that you said that one of the reasons why hair dye is so toxic is that there's something that has to open up the hair shaft, I guess, right? To get the color into the hair. So how do we get this melanin into the hair with hair print? Well, and this is one of those reasons why I like to help people understand that this is so different because it does require a little bit more persistence. So for one thing, because hair print is so gentle and you know, almost fragile, it's very important for there not to be any residues or buildup in the hair. So the week before you do a treatment application, it's really best to pause all of your conventional hair care products for seven days. It's known as the seven day cleanse. And then you use the chelating shampoo you know, it varies anywhere. I'd say from two to four times over the course of a week by helping to remove and that. Hold on just one second. For those that may not be familiar, what is a chelating shampoo? And people may actually know the word chelation because that's something that is used to help to take heavy metals out of the body. So a lot of people who are dealing with chronic illness have looked into heavy metals like mercury, um, aluminum, and um, arsenic and cadmium. And so chelation therapies where there's certain tablets um, that could be taken that actually help to attract the metals and bring them out of the body. There's also even intravenous chelation that's sometimes done. Um, What is a chelating shampoo? Well, it helps to remove all of those residues that are left, you know, like silicones that that's, you know, it's funny. I keep bringing that up. It's really one of the most tenacious ingredients that acts like a film on the hair. um, That's very, very difficult to take off. So it removes these synthetic ingredients. Um, It also removes the, the calcium and mineral deposits that are in hard water. You know, if you're a swimmer, it helps to remove chlorine um, or even just excess sebum. So it really helps to kind of draw all of these impurities out. Mm. Yeah. Cause you really want the hair to be super clean, right? So that um, there's nothing that's going to get in the way of hair print getting in. Right. So, so that is step one. Um, but then, you know, so that's your, your detox week. And then within the treatment kit, there are three steps. There's the prepare, the restore, and the complete. The prepare is a pretreatment shampoo. The first part of the process, and it can stay on your hair anywhere from five to 15 minutes. If you have a sensitive scalp, I would say, put it on for five minutes, you know, check in with yourself. If it feels okay, leave it on 10 or 15 minutes. Um, You know, everyone has different tolerances. So um, I can leave the prepare on my scalp. I'd say anywhere from 15 to 25 minutes, but um, you know, everyone's different. I would say, you know, put it on your damp roots, see how it feels, leave it on 15 minutes. If, you know, especially if you're doing it for the first time, I would follow just the standard uh, instructions, leave Mm -hmm. it on for 15 minutes. It's softening the cuticle. Mm -hmm. And is it something that can damage it if you leave it on for too long? I think it might be drying. You know, the the pH level of of that part of the process is a little bit higher. So that's also why I mentioned before, if you have color treated hair and you're putting, you are trying to transition from hair dye to hair print you only need to put it on the area of the hair that has that where you're trying to restore gray. 
So for most people, that's, you know, the first two inches of their hair. Um, you don't need to put it throughout because you're not only are you not restoring gray throughout your hair, but I do think it could be a little drying if you put it all the way through your ends and left it on for a long time. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. And so then you wash that off and that's step one. And then what's step two? The step two is restore. So restore is the pigment. And actually the restore is the same. uh, It's the same pigment in all of the, in the dark, the brown and the light brown. Sometimes, you know, people will say, oh, I I would like to switch between, you know, I started off dark. I'd like to maybe do brown next time, which is totally fine. They're, They're all very similar. In fact, all the ingredients are the same. They're just different uh, ratios of pigment. Yeah, the restore is a pigment. It's important that you mix it within six minutes. Um, once you see the mixture turn sort of a reddish color, that's your cue that you've got six minutes to get it on your roots or throughout your hair if you're doing your whole head. And then it processes for 15 to 20 minutes. And then gotcha. if you are doing a regular true color restore step, you do that twice. If you're doing the plus kit, which the plus kit is for those with either stubborn resistant grays or more than 30% gray. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So then you do it again, just for a little bit more color. Right. Okay. And then what about the third step after that? So the final step is complete and that um, some people like to think of it as a toner, but what it actually is doing is it's helping to push the pigment further into the cuticle. So you know, some people like to skip this step because they think that they're, it makes their hair too warm. When I say warm, I sort of, it creates more light reflection, um, which I actually love that part of it, but it's also, I think probably helps with longevity purposes. Yeah. The, the complete is probably my favorite part mm-hmm. of the whole process. Right. Right. Yeah. When I was doing it and I will tell you guys all about all the steps and how it all went. But when I was doing it, I noticed after step two, even once we washed it out, I still saw grays. They almost looked like kind of like a darker gray, like almost like a charcoal kind of gray. And then the last step to complete is what actually gave me like my regular brown color. And it was literally like this, like my natural hair color, like just my regular brown. And I think that's sort of reflective on another reason why hair print is so different because, you know, pigment on its own is sort of a cool tone and cool tones tend to absorb light, which, you know, when you don't have that light reflection, it looks darker and it looks cooler and it, you know, it doesn't may not feel like it represents what your, your natural color is, but when you have warmer tones that reflects light and that reflection can make things appear lighter. So not only does it, you know, help to push the pigment further into the cuticle and that's all well and good, but I also feel like, cause I might, it's the same way when I do it after the restore, I kind of feel like I can still see my grays and it kind of looks, I don't know, just dark and ashy. Um, but then once I do the complete, I get that shine and I just, I, I love the, the body and volume it gives my hair. Yeah. Yeah. No, I felt the same. And I think the best part is that I mean, it works and it doesn't damage your hair. And I mean, I just, there's not that many things out there, right. That are like really good for you and also work. So I was so excited about that. Now, the one thing that people do have to be mindful of is that if you're doing hair print, it can only really be applied to your new growth or virgin hair. If your hair is previously colored, you can't apply the hair print to that. Can you talk a little bit about that and why that is? 
Sure. So the, it's known as the transition method of application. So I'll use myself as an example. When I first came to Hairprint, I had been previously dyeing my hair for so many years. It's I've lost track. So I, I had about the first inch or two of virgin hair that had not been processed previously with chemicals. So what you do then is you take the African shea butter and then apply that on all of the part of the hair that's been processed because that part of the hair has been compromised because as we talked about before, that repeated, you know, opening and closing of the cuticle with, you know, coal tar dyes essentially damages the hair. So when you have that structure sort of blown apart, that light reflection is, doesn't do the same thing. And it's the light reflection that really gives color. It's how our eye perceives color. So you want to protect that part of the hair because not only would the color then take differently because I, and again, I'm, this is somewhat subjective because everybody's hair is different. My thinking is if, you know, if someone had light brown hair and they don't do the transition method and they put it all over that light brown hair, that's been, you know, damaged previously by the chemicals, but also just, you know, exposed to the sun and, you know, regular environmental exposure um, it's going to really absorb a lot more of that pigment and probably look very muddy and not have that light reflection. So it will be darker, probably drier. And, and that's where you can sort of get into trouble. So the transition method is really important. Mm, yeah. It's not easy um, because yeah. applying shea butter gets sticky, you know, kind of gets everywhere, but shea butter definitely protects. Nothing is going to penetrate that. So, I mean, yeah, I don't like the stickiness either. I mean, I was really happy when I finally grew out all of my processed hair and then could skip that part of the process. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause the process does take a while. I mean, it, it's amazing. It works, but, but it's, you know, it is also work because it takes time. So yes, it's very nice. And I'm so excited for the results that I got, but I'm also so excited for more of it to grow out so that then I don't have to apply the shea butter either. I absolutely hear you on that. One other thing I might want to mention is because, um, people often don't think about henna being, you know, they think of it as being natural, but, and I'm not a henna expert by any means, but just with my two years with hair print, I've learned a lot about, uh, about henna, just mostly from talking from our customers. Um, and there's very little henna that's true body art quality henna. And really that's the only type of henna that you can have on your hair and still use hair print. If you've used henna, that is a compound henna, um, and that means, you know, henna that has metallic dyes, metallic salts, and actually a lot of uh, compound henna also has PPD, um, mm. then it's really best to just to not use hair print until it's either been just grown out or has been trimmed away. Mm, that's good to know because so many people do think of henna as this natural thing, but I've also learned a lot about it. And like you said, it's either not natural or even with the natural, like it's still pretty damaging to the hair. I find that it makes your hair really dry. Yeah. Yeah. It coats the hair, you know, a lot in the same way as, you know, some of those synthetic ingredients, it coats the hair. And when hair is coated that way, it can't get the nutrients from the follicle it needs to sort of be its normal, healthy self. Yeah. You can't breathe, right? I mean, it's the same thing for skin. I mean, there's so many um, silicone derivatives in different lotions and our skin then can't breathe and then it can't get toxins out and nutrients in. So absolutely. Now with yeah. hair print, once you color 
the hair. Obviously, you're going to have new growth, you know. So, just to clarify for people, it restores gray, but not forever. It restores the gray in that part. Once it grows out, you'll still have gray, and that would need to be restored too. But then that part that's colored, is that then sort of permanent? So that then when the new growth comes out, you know, you color the new growth, do you have to put it over the part that you did last month or two months ago, or does that stay? It will stay. So, but you know, again, it's different for everyone. And one thing I've also learned talking to so many people over the last couple of years is that it's not uncommon for results to improve over time. You know, you might do it the first time and get 80% coverage. And then the next time might be 90 or 95, you know, whether this is a true cumulative process, or maybe we just get better at the process with practice. It's hard to say, but um, once you are satisfied with the amount of grays restored, then you only really need to do the new growth. You don't need to overlap onto what you've done previously. You don't have to necessarily be careful. You don't have to protect it, but you really only need to do that new growth. Got it. Got it. Well, that makes it easier then too. And if you were to pull it through, just in case your hair needs a little refresh, because, you know, even with conventional color, even though they do the roots a lot of times, like every couple of months or so, they'll pull it through just to refresh. Would it do that? Would that help? And would that be damaging at all? I think it would be fine. I think, um, it, you know, it depends on your hair and hair porosity has a lot to do with this. You know, if your hair is very porous, hair that's porous has those large gaps in the, in the hair structure. It can absorb things very easily, but sometimes it leaves it just as fast where low porosity hair has the opposite problem. It has a very hard time getting in, but once it's in, it really stays. It's kind of the same for moisture, you know, like low porosity hairs tends to be dry because it has a hard, the water has a hard time getting inside. So in this case, if you have high porosity hair, you might feel like you need a refresher more often because maybe it fades a little bit faster. Mm -hmm. And that's where maybe instead of taking the restore all the way through, I would maybe do it more with the complete Mm -hmm. because the complete still has pigment in it, but it doesn't have as much. Right. So I feel like it might be more of that sort of toner effect of, you know, refreshing and giving it some shine. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for all of this information and telling us more about hairprint and educating us about the ingredients in hair dye and some of the things we need to look for. I so appreciate it. And everyone listening, I'm going to tell you exactly what I did, how it went. I have pictures of my results as well. I'm really excited to share that with you. So stay tuned. And Jennifer, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I have had so many conversations with my clients my students in my Thyroid Mystery Solve program, and those in our thyroid community about hair dye. No one wants to put chemicals on their scalp, but we all want to look our best. I have not seen anything that worked without chemicals, and I thought maybe it could just be like the one thing that I do because I've changed out everything, my shampoos, my body wash, my all of my other skincare, all of my cleaning products. There was literally no chemicals anywhere in my home. And I thought maybe hair dye could just be that one thing because you know nothing has really worked. I also tried putting different protectors like oils and things like that on my scalp. But what would happen is if I put that on before I color my hair, 
the color won't take. So <laughs> that didn't work. I even asked my hairdresser if she could be extra, extra careful and try not to get any of the dye on my scalp. And she sort of laughed at me saying, well, you want to cover your roots. So I have to touch your scalp. It's impossible not to, or else you're not going to get that coverage. So I did attempt a lot of different things. Um, and then one night I was working late and I was feeling some writer's block. And so I was kind of staring into oblivion and I was looking in the mirror and just thinking, oh my gosh, I just had my roots touched up and I see the gray again. And it was just a few weeks. And I remember how my hair just feels so off. It actually sheds more right after I color it. It feels more dry. And, you know, it just like didn't feel good. And I'm thinking, am I really going to do this every six weeks for the rest of my life? I mean, how much longer is this going to be, right? 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. I mean, I'm only 42. And you know, something just clicked in me. Like, I can't, I can't do this. Like, even though it's the one chemical thing that I do, not only is this terrible for my body and overall autoimmunity and Hashimoto's, but it's really just destructive to my hair. And so that's where I began the research. And that's how I stumbled on hair print after reading different blogs and kind of was led there. And I read all about how it restores hair as Jennifer was explaining and how it works differently and that the ingredients are all food grade. And so I read tons and tons of reviews and blogs because I thought, wait a minute, you know, if this works, then why have I not heard about this? Why are more people not using it? Is this some kind of a woo-woo thing? Like, is it a scam? But then when I was reading reviews, people were saying that it did work and there was pictures, I saw videos, but as you heard from the interview, it's a little bit of a process. And so partly why I think maybe it's not as popular and common as it should be, you know, because there's no chemicals, is that it takes a little bit longer. In my opinion, though, I think it's well worth it. But let me tell you exactly how the process went. And then you can also take a look at the pictures. I got really, really good coverage. So I'm super, super excited. Now, when reading about it, the, the biggest thing is that if your hair is previously colored, there is this transition period that Jennifer talked about. So you don't want to get hair print on that hair. And it's important that that hair is covered somehow with shea butter or something coating like that so it doesn't get on it. And the color is really meant to be done at home. And I normally don't color my own hair. I, my hairdresser lives down the street. Very, very convenient. She has a little salon set up in her home. And so I go there. It's a five minute, not even five minute commute. So I'm a little bit spoiled. So I've never really done my own hair. And I thought, well, I don't know how I'm going to coat this and not touch this hair with the hair dye. And I saw that it was also pretty messy. And I'm thinking, hmm, I don't know if my white marble bathroom is really the best place because this really does stain. And I didn't necessarily want to embark on the journey of doing it by myself. So I checked their website thinking, okay, there must be hairdressers to do this. Well, there was four places in the whole country that did it. One was in California, one in Massachusetts. There was one in the Hamptons. I'm in New Jersey. So the closest place was four hours away. And I thought, okay, I really want to try this, but four hours is just a little much. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to try to do it on my own. And I sort of was getting the guts to you know, figure it out. And I was going to tarp the bathroom and kind of do this. And then after speaking with Jennifer, she let me know that there's a woman named Jessica 
who just opened a salon in New York City. And that was only about an hour and a half commute. And I thought, okay, perfect. I called her. She was fantastic. We set up an appointment and I went into the city. Now, Jessica told me that it's going to take anywhere from three to five hours. And I thought, okay, she's like, so make sure you have the time. So I'm thinking, all right, I'll take the day off. I'm going to block off the time. But in the back of my head, I thought, I know she said three to five hours, but you know, I bet we could do it quicker. We're not going to talk too much. We're just going to like get in and get out. So when I came in, we started with the first step, which is the pre-treat. So she put that on my hair and she also added just a little bit of baking soda to help to open up the cuticle. Uh, That stayed on for about 15 minutes. We then washed it off uh, without even shampoo, just with water. And then she started covering my previously colored hair with shea butter. So this is the part, honestly, that I felt like took the longest. She put the shea butter through, then she was brushing it out. And if you know shea butter, it's very sticky. I mean, it's not the most pleasant. So this part was kind of a pain and I'm so glad that she did it for me because if I tried to do it myself, it would have been tangles everywhere. So I would say this took probably a good half hour. So if your hair isn't previously covered, you don't even have to worry about it. And the first transition application is probably going to be the most intense. After that, as your hair grows out more, you don't have to really coat everything. It's just the ends. So it makes it easier. But this is the part that took a while. And then after she coated it with shea butter, and of course she left the roots out that we're going to color, we went to step two. So step two is the restore. And essentially it comes in a little packet and you mix, there's a little packet in a bottle and you mix it together and you have to do it in a bowl. Sometimes hairdressers use those little bottles and then they pour from a bottle, but the mixture is almost like kind of thick and gooey and almost foamy. And so you have to do it in a bowl and you mix it and then you have to put it on fairly quickly within six minutes, which was great because she did it for me. I don't think I'd be able to do it on my own. And so she put that on and that stays on for 20 minutes. Then you actually repeat the step two either two or three times. And so I have, I didn't think I had that much gray. I thought I was like 30% gray. When she looked, she said, yeah, you're like 80% gray. I thought, really? But I think I just have more gray in certain areas and less than others. So maybe it looked worse at the top. And so it, the more gray that you are, if you're more than 30% gray, then you want to apply the step three times. And so she applied it. We waited 20 minutes. Then she didn't wash it off. She just applied another bowl of the same step two over that and waited another 20 minutes. And then she washed it off just with water just to see how much it took. And she definitely saw that, you know, there was some gray still left. So she applied it the third time, which she thought she would need to do anyway. We left it on for 20 more minutes and then she washed that off. And washing it off is pretty simple, even though it is a little bit messy and you have to be careful and you sort of have to clean up as you go along, like if it gets on the sink or, you know, anywhere on the table. You really don't need shampoo. It comes off with water. You just have to kind of, you know, wash for about, you know, three, four minutes with water. We looked in the mirror then, and you can definitely see the grays took, but it had almost like um like a steel color. It was like a dark, it didn't have as much pigment. It was just sort of like a darker brown. And so the last step is then applied, which is the complete, and that's what gives it the color. Um, and that last step it's okay if it gets on colored hair. I mean, I still had the shea butter in. We haven't washed that off. I mean, even if you wash it with water, the shea butter doesn't really come out. So she didn't have to be as careful, but she applied it to the roots and then a little bit got on other areas and that was okay. And then that stayed on for 20 minutes. And then we washed that 
off. And again, no shampoo is needed, just water. She did use shampoo on the bottom, um, the ends of my hair, because that's where the shea butter was. And without shampoo, it would have been really gooey and sticky and tangly. So she shampooed that, but no shampoo was necessary for the actual roots. And I was a little bit nervous because you know, it was a process. You know, I was there at this point for a little, a little bit over three hours and I was just keeping my fingers crossed because I was so excited about this and the fact that there's no chemicals. And by the way, as we were doing this, there was no itching, there was no scalp burning, there was no smell whatsoever. I didn't feel faint. I didn't get a headache, nothing like that. And so I was just so hopeful that it was going to work. And Jessica, when I first came in, it was saying to me that, you know, we do want to be realistic being that this is more natural. Sometimes it's not a hundred percent. So she was sort of managing expectations and, you know, I was, I was excited to see, but nervous. And, you know, once she washed it out and, and we looked, the coverage was fantastic. Um, I, to me, it looked like a hundred percent. She said, you know, from a hair colorist perspective, it was more like 95%, but, you know, it looked a hundred percent to me and then she dried it and you can see the pictures in the show notes here. You know, it was definitely quite a difference. And the other thing that's cool is that you really can't control the color that it will come out um, because it essentially restores it to whatever your natural color is. My hair was previously dyed in my more natural color, so it matched completely. And the choices are that you can get dark brown, medium brown, or light brown. My hair is light brown, so we got the light brown kit. And it matched really well. I would say, you know, it might've been like a tad, tad darker initially, but after a few washes, it completely evened out and it blended it with the previous color. So I am really excited. Like I said, didn't there's no smell. I didn't have any itching or burning. And I just felt so good putting something on my hair that wasn't going to be damaging. I didn't have any hair shedding like I do with my regular hair dye and really no issues at all. And at this point now, it's been about three weeks. So I do have a little bit of gray coming in, of course, but the part that was colored, you know, it faded a little bit to sort of match my other color. But um, aside from that initial fade, because it was a little bit dark, it has stayed consistent in these three weeks. Um, I have been using the hair print shampoo, but I've also used some other shampoos that I have. All the shampoos that I use um, don't have any major chemicals or parabens or sulfates or silicones. So those are all safe to use and I haven't seen any issues. So the color stayed and um, it's shiny. It looks good. My hair does not feel dry in any way. My scalp feels good. And I'm just really, really excited about it. So I already called Jessica. I made my follow-up appointment in another four weeks. So this way I'm going to try to go seven weeks in between. And it's, you know, it's a process. And I did, I literally had to take the whole day off because it took me about an hour and a half to get into New York City one way and then back. And, you know, I was with her for almost four hours. Now, I think the next time that I go, because we already know what we're doing and the process, plus we'll need a little bit less shea butter, I think that it's going to take less. I think we could do it in three hours. And as soon as more's grown out and shea butter's not needed at all, I'm confident that we can probably do it in two hours. And I think maybe after a couple of more times of going in, I might attempt it on my own to seeing how it's done. And certainly if you're someone that has colored your own hair, it's definitely something that you can do. 
you know, it's just about making sure that, you know, you cover things and if anything gets on your sink or your tub, just wipe it up right away. As long as you wipe it up right away, it doesn't stain forever. And obviously if there's anything that you can do to cover the floor with a tarp or something, just so that there's less cleanup, that is also really, really helpful. But overall, I am really, really thrilled with the results because I was nervous. I wasn't sure if it's going to work. And I was very, very happy with the results. Of course, it depends on the type of hair. If you have thick hair or thin hair, um, it depends on how porous your hair is. My hair is actually pretty porous, so it actually took well. I think some hair that's less porous, you might have to keep it on for a little bit longer. Um, There might not be as much coverage, but I've had fantastic results and I'm super excited about it. As with anything, there are always positives and negatives, but for me, the extra time and the little bit of an extra expense was way worth it. Now, if you're doing it yourself, the dye itself is not expensive. It's about $40, but if you're going to get it done by a hairdresser, then you would definitely be paying more than a typical hair dye appointment just because of the extra time that it takes, so it is something to consider. I hope that hearing my experience was helpful for you. And if you know anyone that's looking to try a more natural dye or anyone that has different health issues and is dyeing their hair who may not realize some of the negative connections between the chemicals and hair dye and a lot of the organs and systems in our body, then can you please share this episode with them? You could share over email. You could share this over social media. I would really, really appreciate it. And I would love more people to know about this and also to realize the connections so that the chemicals are not hurting them or creating more autoimmunity. And as always, when it comes to your health issues, please, please don't give up. The answers are out there and there is hope. I'm Ina Toppler. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you next time on Health Mystery Solved. All information, content, and material on this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider.